yeah, you have to be brave in this job. Uh, you hope that nothing terrible will happen for your family, but on the other hand, you do put yourself out there. And so, I, I, you know, it's it's very rewarding. It truly is. Um, you know, I, we're always talking about people being happy in their life, um, and and that's a good thing to be happy. But I think even more important is to be fulfilled. To feel as if you're doing something that you you are leaving a mark. You are maybe not as heroically as Ted Stevens, but you are making a difference in other people's lives. Andrew Gray. The purpose of this podcast is to tell the stories of Alaskans of interest and importance. Today, our guest is author and Alaska State Senate President Gary Stevens, whose play, Uncle Ted, about the life of U.S. Senator Ted Stevens, premiered at Cyrano's Theater in Anchorage last week. I was at the opening night, and we discussed the genesis of his play and Gary's relationship with Senator Ted Stevens, as well as Ted's oldest son, Senator Ben Stevens, the three Senator Stevens. Although it is important to note that Gary is not related to Ted or Ben. We also discuss why Gary first came to Kodiak in 1970 and his launch into local politics before completing his PhD in American history. Gary Stevens has held many titles, professor, doctor, school board member, city councilman, assemblyman, Mr. Mayor, representative, Senator, and Mr. President, as President of the Alaska State Senate three times. President of the Senate, Gary Stevens, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, you. Thanks, Andrew, so much. Good to see you. So you were just mentioning something that I thought was interesting. We're here to talk about your new play, which premiered at Cyrano's Playhouse here in Anchorage on Friday evening, which I saw. Congratulations. Really exciting. Great show. Oh, thank you. Um, and you mentioned that you had had one... Uh, person question whether you could write a play as a senator and have your, have your title senator um, as the playwright. Um, just curious. Do you, let's start with that. Start right there. Are you able to do it? How sure. Well, it? that's an interesting story. That uh, so um, I never had a part of doing the program. You know, I wrote the play and Senators decided to do it, and, and they've just done a beautiful job. But at one point, they, they did a program and it said uh, Senator Gary Stevens, and and so there was a, a complaint to the ethics committee saying, uh, was the state of Alaska involved? Was the legislature involved? Was there any legislative funds spent? Absolutely not. No, 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 not at all. The uh, only thing. Uh, would indicate that I was in the legislature was uh, when it says playwright Senator Stephen. So uh, I did check with an attorney on it. And they said, no, that's you know, that's your title and you can use it whatever you might do in the world. You know, that, that is a title you carry with you. And in fact, it's interesting that uh, the title Senator uh, carries with you even after you've left the legislature. So speaking of Senator Stevens, since we're talking about <laughs> right. U.S. Senator Ted Stevens yes, yes. and you are Alaska State Senator Gary Stevens. Um, I am going to refer to Senator Ted Stevens as Ted, just so we don't have any confusion. Sure. But just for the listeners to know, I am not doing it as any sign of disrespect to the late Senator Ted Stevens. Absolutely, I understand um, that. That's always been an issue. Uh, you know, uh, actually, honestly, I think I, I think in my elections, I suspect. Uh, 10, 15, 20 percent of the public who votes for me thinks they're still voting for Ted. That know? is so funny. <laughs> Since the play really covers all of Ted Stevens' life, I'm, I'm going to just throw it out to folks that this play is showing through October 22nd. I don't feel like I need to give any spoiler alerts since it's just telling his life, which anyone can Google and read about. But if you want to see the play, there are 
things that I didn't know, even as a student of Alaskan history, there was definitely some very interesting tidbits that I hadn't learned. Sure. sure. So um, if you want to have it be a surprise, I recommend that you go see the play uh, by October 22nd and then listen to this interview because I'm going to start with a question right off the bat that will give part of the play away. And that's perfectly okay. And I, and I believe that, uh, you know, even I, mean, I appreciate you saying that there are things about his life that you didn't know. And as a professor of history, I taught Alaska history for many years at the university. And, and I honestly was not totally aware once I got into the research of, of his impact on statehood. I mm-hmm. mean, he had an enormous impact. He was a key person. And, and that really doesn't come across in the history books so much. Um, you open the play with his death. In August 2010, Mm -hmm. Um, he's narrating uh, at the spot, we presume, near Bristol Bay, um, where the plane crashed. And I'm curious, where were you when you found out that his plane had crashed? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I, I, I honestly can't remember, but I do remember the funeral here in town and and the, the sheets with the goodbye, Uncle Ted, <laughs> strewn across the roadway uh, on the overpasses. And uh, so I suppose I was home and, and I did know, I know Ted, I knew Ted in many instances, uh, probably more through his son, Ben. Uh, ben was Senate president. I was majority leader, so I worked with Ben every day for, for two years. And so I got to know Ted uh, uh, through his son and, and lots of other things that occurred during my tenure. I was elected, started service in, in the leg- legislature in 2000, so I dealt with Ted quite a bit. We're approaching the 100th birthday yes. of Ted Stevens. Yeah. So he is a generation above you. It makes more sense. Right. Like Ben Stevens was more your contemporary. Ooh, that's true. And uh, yeah, and Ted was World War II. My father was World War II. So, uh, yeah, so they were, uh, you know, that generation. And here we are, one generation following that. I brought up uh, wondering where you had been when you found out about the plane crash because another legislator was um, at the play with me mm-hmm. on Friday night. Uh, Representative Andy Josephson, and he remembers where he, he said he could remember exactly where he was when the first plane crash happened in 1978. Yes, when his wife wife was killed. Um, And that's one of those ones that's before my time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was all three years old in 1978. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about that part at all. Right. So that's one of those tidbits where it gave me a, a window. A little do perspective. You, yes. Do you remember where you were in 1978 when that plane crash happened? You know, I was involved. I, I got to Alaska in 1970. And so I was involved in local politics and chambers of commerce and that sort of thing. And uh, had met Ted uh, a few times. Um, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, so no, I, I met his wife actually uh, when uh, they were Anne. campaigning, Anne, in, in Kodiak uh, when he was campaigning. And so my knowledge of him was sort of peripheral at that time up until her death. But uh, of course, dealing with and knowing uh, Ben and his family, you know, uh, that was a disastrous uh, occurrence for his, for his mm-hmm. losing a mother at that early age. Mm-hmm. Um, you have been very active in Kodiak politics, it sounds like, really from the moment you arrived. Pretty close. (laughs) Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about how you got to Kodiak and then what led you to your initial involvement in local politics? Sure. Actually, uh, sort of a long story and cut out what you don't want, but I uh, was working on my doctorate at UCLA and um, got my master's at the University of Oregon, started my doctorate at UCLA, and um, I wanted to become a history professor. And... and, um, 
actually was drafted into the army at that time during during Vietnam and um, went through basic training and combat training and then um, chose to go on to officers Canada school and then was a commissioned officer and then became a, an army intelligence officer so that was that was my experience uh, with uh, with the military and after I ended that when I, after three years in the army um, I was going to go back to get my doctorate at UCLA and my family owned a small cannery in Kodiak so I said well I'll come up for the summer earn a lot of money and uh, and then go back to graduate school. But what in fact happened is my family pretty much left and said, you're in charge. So I ran the company for five years before I went back and went to the university. Um, and you got your doctorate 80 to 82 or something like that? Uh, yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. I finally, I was teaching and took a sabbatical, at, um, teaching at Kodak College and University and took a sabbatical, went back to spend a year in Oregon and finish up my classwork. You were on city council though? In that period in between? Uh, well, not when I was gone. Okay. I, 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 did, uh, I, I did in my term. So I was on the city council bur- uh, school board in between and then the borough assembly. So I experienced all of the local government, except for the electric board. Uh, other than that, I, I pretty much um, spent 13 years learning local politics. How did your family come to own that cannery in the first place? Oh, well, uh, actually, my, uh, my uh, stepfather uh, was a uh, a Washington State fisherman, crab fisherman, and uh, became a processor there, and then uh, built several processing plants in Alaska. His name was Roy Fuford. He was really quite a historic figure and uh, built uh, canneries you know, throughout Alaska and was very successful. Just a, a wonderful person. Just uh, really uh, was lucky to have him as a as a stepfather. I want to talk about your childhood, and I'll I'll sure. I'll, I'll talk about it within the the realm of the play. Sure. So when we, we you you focused in the play a little bit on his aunt, who seemed to be a hard driving. So Ted's aunt was a hard driving, uh, pretty strict um, mother figure yeah, for, in his life. Yeah, yeah. That I felt what you were getting at was that some of his hard driven nature throughout his life may have been born in the expectations of his. Aunt. Well, I think it's exactly true. You know, uh, uh, several times uh, Ted mentioned that he had a, a hard childhood. He, he truly did. His father lost his job during the during he was a he was an accountant. Lost his job during the depression. They moved back to his uh, grandfather's home uh, in Indianapolis, and uh, and Ted had a hard life. He was always expected to work, and he did. And uh, and then his aunt Gladys, you know, his mother uh, sort of left the family, moved to California. Did, bring the kids to California eventually. So it was, a, in a way, a dysfunctional family, I think. And I think that really developed Ted's uh, close relationship with his own family. I mean, he was a good father and a good father figure. And uh, Aunt Gladys uh, really um, was uh, demanding uh, and uh, and uh, pushed him to do things. I mean, uh, take jobs and uh, and didn't want him to go in the military because of the war, but he was determined, so he went anyway. But they always had a close relationship. And in fact, uh, after uh, Anne's death, uh, he takes the children back to California uh, to spend Christmas with his aunt. So in the play, there's a scene where Ted Stevens, on the Senate floor, um, confronts another senator, a senator who made a promise to allow an amendment to come up and it was moving to a vote. The amendment had to come up. He confronts him. He uses um, some curse words. The president of the Senate um, calls a point of order, says that we're not allowed to, we're not going to speak like this. Right. Ted's able to 
express the situation. The president of the Senate says, is this true? They bring the amendment up. The amendment passes, I think, unanimously. Ted, uh, I think throughout the play, I think you see that uh, he had some anger issues. And um, and he, he did explode and blow up several times to different people. Um, I think it's really quite interesting that he did that because he was able to control that. Uh, and, and and you learn uh, that he, he really makes use of that, uh, losing his temper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one quite, one line is, uh, um, I don't lose my temper. I, I know where it is all the time. <laughs> I can always right. find it. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, and um, yeah, so uh, yeah, Ted, I think that's a major issue. And, and he does mention often um, that he's not a perfect person. You know, none of us are. He made well, mistakes. Well, uh, the joke that comes out of that is that he observed in the President of the Senate this very measured, right. calm, reasonable response and something along the lines of like, that's who I want to be. And exactly. everyone, of course, laughs because right. that's not who he is. But you know what I thought? I thought, but that's who Gary Stevens strikes me as. <laughs> and so to kind of try to meld those two questions together, did you have a, a, any childhood experiences that in the way that Aunt Gladys shaped Ted Stevens, did you have any childhood experiences that made you the type of senator that Ted Stevens was not? Well, I had a very close family, a, a good childhood, and a good, uh, you know, extended uh, grandparents. So, so I really grew up in a, in a loving family. The only grandchild for the first uh, 15 years of my life, you know, so I really doted So were you an only child? I was an only child, and uh, then uh, and then other grandchildren were born uh, much, much later. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, what's interesting about a play, um, how do you separate me from Ted? Right. Know? Uh, we have common uh, experiences and common interests. And, uh, and, and of course, the truth of the matter is that uh, I had to write a lot of words that Ted did not say. I mean, we can't go back and find out what he thought about riding his tricycle. You know, we just don't know. There's no record of that. The only record we really have um, that really is sound are his speeches, three beautiful speeches he wrote uh, during his time in office uh, towards the end of his career. Um, and uh, so you extrapolate from that. You, you try to be true to the person, and uh, and don't do anything that, that would not fit with his with his with his experience and 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 his personality. But yeah, anger was an issue that um, that he did address often. And uh, and we, we and you're right. The audience laughs when he says, "I've got to be like this guy because uh, he's calm and collected." The audience laughed at that, knowing knowing that that was not really Ted. And he had to say, "Well, listen, I I, I work on it." But one thing I should mention too is that yeah, Ted had an, had uh, anger issues, I suppose, and he would blow up at things and and use his temper. But he was never that way with his children, as far as I know. I mean, he was a very very strong family figure, and in fact, one of the one of the keys in the play, I think is that you, you see that Ted is talking about, I want to make a mark in my life. I want to, I want to um, accomplish things. And unlike his father, unlike his grandfather, he really wanted to leave a, a, a list of accomplishments and really make a, a mark in life. And at the end of the play, you realize that the mark he leaves is his family. Well, um, you mentioned that your relationship was with Ben. Um, did Ben have a temper? Was Ben different than his father? or? Ben was different than his father. Sometimes he spoke off the handle, and, and he offended a lot of people occasionally. But just a, a just a very very fine person. I, and uh, he got involved in some things that he probably shouldn't have, and uh, so it led to him, uh, uh, you know, not. He, he, I, I always believe that Tim could have that, that that Ben could have been a governor or uh, or um, or a U.S. senator. Uh, but at the end of his life, he really withdrew from politics. But Ben was a, a fine person and uh, just really thought the world. 
And it is a shame that he's that he didn't live to see the play. He he read three scripts. <laughs> Been dead. Yeah, as I was going through uh, the various variations of, of the script, he read three different scripts and was very supportive uh, of, of the pro- of the project. And actually, one time he said. Uh, well, you know, I look like my dad, and I sound like my dad, and I should play my dad. And that should have been what a wonderful idea, but you can't act. <laughs> and Ben said, oh, wait a minute, I've been acting all my life. Well, clearly, uh, it would not have worked. But I would love to have heard uh, Ben uh, read the script uh, aloud. That would mm-hmm. have been a great experience. And, um, and it was, a, it was a, uh, just a shock to me when he died at such an early age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got a photograph that, uh, we may not get to talk about this, but maybe mention it now. I've got a photograph of... Uh, Ben and Ted and myself coming into this into the the joint house and Senate to, for his for for Ted's uh, annual speech. And so what happened is that uh, Terrio was president of the Senate, and Ben had been appointed by uh, uh, by the governor, and then I had been in the House, and I was appointed by the governor to a, a vacancy. So both Ben and I were in the Senate, and so Terrio, as president, uh, called the House and the Senate order, and he said. So would um, would Senator Stevens and Senator Stevens please escort Senator Stevens in? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I don't remember ever there being a three yeah. the same last name that been two at various times. But so the three of us, same last name. And so we go out. Ben and I go out to pick up Ted. And on the way out, uh, Ben says. Um, said to me, you know, this is like the movie The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. You're the good Stevens. I'm the bad Stevens. But who's going to tell my daddy's the ugly one? <laughs> and certainly would not be me. I was not about to say that. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, that was a great moment, I thought. And so I got that photograph at, in my office, and I think of it often that uh, uh, of the three of us, only only one of us is still standing. And I thought, if anyone's going to write this play, I better do it. You were older than Ben. Yes, by, by probably... Oh, probably 15 or 20 years. Even. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that I didn't know about that is kind of um, a big tidbit, I think, was the election for Ernest Greening's seat. Yes. yes. Where um, Mike Gravel won the Democratic nomination and Elmer Rasmussen won the Republican nomination. Right, right. Mike Gravel was elected. Right. Bob Bartlett died. Exactly. And then Wally Hickel, governor, chose Ted Stevens, who had lost the Republican nomination to Elmer Rasmussen. Right, right. And so, and of course, as it's in the play, it's a big deal. Ted Stevens was sworn in 10 days before Mike Gravel and became the senior senator, the the title he held for 40 years. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great story. Uh, Bartlett was was so well-respected. Someone should write (laughs) it. A, a, a better uh, a story about Bartlett's life, but uh, Bartlett was really a, a great uh, U.S. senator for us. He surprisingly died during heart surgery, and so um, Hickel was governor, and he had the opportunity to decide who's going to follow it, who's going to be, who's going to appoint. At that time, the governor makes that appointment. That's that's all there is to it, and. Um, and as you say, Rasmussen had won the uh, had won the primary, the Republican primary, but there was bad blood between the Rasmussens and the Hickels for for a long time. So Hickel did choose um, to appoint uh, Ted, who had lost twice in uh, in uh, running for a U.S. Senate race, and I think it sort of shocked Ted. Uh, but Hickel did does say that uh, I'm going to put. Um, a, 
Ted in there because he, he will do what I tell him to do. And, of course, we realize that Ted is not going to do what anyone tells him to do. He's going to be his own person. And uh, I think they remain friends uh, throughout uh, their lives and, uh, until both of them died. But, um, yeah, they, were, they, they worked well together. And then I think the big shock, of course, is to realize that Gravel, who had a bit of an ego, if you remember, and, um, and, and actually Ted says that, uh, that Gravel is a show horse while, ben, while Ted sees himself as, as a workhorse. So they had some differences. And I'm sure it's true that uh, Gra- Gravel was quite upset when, uh, when, he, when he found that uh, Ted became the senior senator for 40 years. Um, one thing that I thought about about that is if, he, if Elmer Rasmussen, who may have felt entitled to that seat, had been appointed, he couldn't have served 40 years. Right. Because he right. passed away in 2000 at the age of 90 or 91. Um, he was just so much older than Ted Stevens. So there was right, right. really, by Wally Hickel appointing someone as young as Ted Stevens, it enabled Ted Stevens to serve as long as he did. Right. And I'm sure that was in uh, Hickel's mind, that uh, if he appointed Ted, he'd be there for a long time. And, of course, seniority in the U.S. Senate is extremely important. It, it really helps a lot uh, in, uh, in, um, in getting projects for your state. And, uh, and Ted was never embarrassed about getting projects for Alaska. Mm. Um, I want to talk, I mean, we're kind of talking about his last year going, you know, to the 40 years that he served. And I mean, it, it did end because of a scandal. I mean, there's no right. way around it. If the scandal hadn't happened, he would have won re-election. Sure. sure. Um, and I um, had actually, I did an interview um, with someone who'd run a blog about the Ted Stevens scandal. And I remember when I did that interview, I didn't really know the details very well. Um, and as they were being explained to me, I, I was like, what? It just because it, even to me, um, a, a, and a Democrat, like listening to the story, I was like, there was a recliner. He accepted a recliner. There was maybe some work that he didn't pay for. It just seemed like such small potatoes right. for someone to lose their entire career. Well, exactly, and and actually, that is one of the concerns that um, that has been expressed to me that uh, Ted was much more than his than the trial. You mm-hmm. know, he he left uh, um, you know a, a great experience and accomplishments, and if the trial had not occurred, he would still have been a great Alaska. But the trial did occur, and uh, Ted was hurt by it and um, and damaged by it. So you know, I can understand when people say, "Yeah, that was not a key issue in his life," but it was because he lost the election mm-hmm. after serving 40 years. he Half of Alaskans said, we don't want you as our U.S. senator. That had to be tough. Actually, I, I met Ted uh, some uh, months after he lost his election, after he uh, left the Senate. Uh, he was in... Um, he was in D.C., and I was there for some meetings and had a chance to sit down and, and chat with him. He was uh, he seemed really old. He seemed really depressed. He was wearing uh, old man shoes and, uh, and just looked different than he did when he was at his height as a, as a powerful senator. So, it, you know, you can say that it, that was the, the, the trial was not Ted, that he was much more than that. But in reality, uh, I think he did feel that he lost his reputation at the trial, and he was... Uh, he was unelected, even though a poll later showed that he would have won the next election. Right. Well, I think part of that is that we're looking at it, for me at least, I'm looking at it through a lens of 2023. Right. And um, what's a scandal today? I mean, it was probably unimaginable. Right. I mean, some of the things that have happened in the last few years. Um, I'm curious if you've thought about what Ted Stevens would say about the state of American politics today. 
Well, I think he would have been upset with some of the things that are going on. You, you, you know, uh, is it Senator Mendez? Uh, you know, yes. those issues are out there, and uh, you know, and I, I don't think he's going to resign Mendez because uh, that's sort of expressing guilt, and he wants to go to trial. And though, I, though I suspect that the things are not going to turn out well for him. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know where Ted would have been on some of these issues, but um, you know, he was so dedicated to Alaska. I think uh, he would have done anything to make sure that Alaska got what it's what it deserved. I had a low bar for for the play. I expected, I knew it was a one-man show, um, and I knew it was going to talk about Ted Stevens' life. And so I went in expecting, like, oh, this is going to be a man sitting in a chair for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> just talking. And so I went in being like, this might be very boring. Um, so I want to tell listeners, that is not what it is. It is not. The actor's incredible. Does a wonderful job of, um, and there's, there's not sitting in a chair. There's no sitting in a chair. He's up and about the entire play. Right, right. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there. Well, you know, it's very hard uh, for an actor to do a, a one-person show. There have been several successful actors who've done various things over the years, actors and actresses who've done a, a, a monologue. It's very difficult to carry a show for an hour and a half, which this actor does. He does a wonderful job. But as a writer, you, you, you try to put things in there that keeps people's attention, that mm-hmm. brings uh, brings some action, that has things going on. You know, a little thing is like the, uh, the car going yeah, across great. the continent. Uh, I remember that from my childhood. You know, going to movies, mm-hmm. you see something like that. Watch, follow the watch, watch the ball, you know, and that sort of thing. And, and so, the, the, you add things like that to bring, uh, keep the audience involved, to keep the audience interested, to keep the actor uh, in motion and doing things. And and this actor is just supreme, supremely uh, talented, and um, and really carries that show. Um, I, I was shocked that uh, I, I would I would find it hard to memorize an hour and a half of <laughs> dialogue. Well, but he did. He did. And what I thought is, man, this guy. I mean, he came from New York. Right. Is it he's an Morrison? equity. Is his last name? Yes, yes. Dan Morrison. Yes. He's, a, he's an equity actor. He uh, is professional, and uh, and he just launched right into. And it. he now knows a lot of Alaskan history. A well, lot of Alaskan history. That's, that's true. But one of the problems he had, of course, uh, somebody coming from out of state, is that uh, is it greening or ruining? Or is right. it? You know, I mean, you know. Well, and I, when he said, you know, Kuskokwim, and like he, yeah, he has to yeah. pronounce a lot of words, and like he, yeah. well, he did a good job. Well, we worked with him. Well, the, the, the director worked with him on it uh, to try to make sure that he uh, he had all the words down. We in Alaska, we know them all. You know, so right. it's not a problem for us. But uh, I was trying to think the uh, the, um, the 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 pronunciation of Accutan when he first said it, he just really destroyed it. You know, we got it right. But you know, we in Alaska, we know those words like uh, like greening and grooming, we, we know those things. The climax for me is when the actor delivers Ted Stevens' final Senate floor speech. Yes. Um, it's very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think through my personal lens watching it, it's a good... It, it, it reminds us that underneath all these politicians is a person. This is a person. That's right. And I think today... And, you know, and I, and I, you're, you're a history professor. You're, you know, I mean, you know, history, we love to talk about how everything is worse today than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And historically, there've been a lot of terrible times in human history. So I think to say that politicians today are experience more vitriol than at any point in history, that may not be true, No, no. but, um, but I think that, uh, for those of us in politics today, we do experience some vitriol. And I think, uh, for me watching that, you see the person, Ted Stevens, um, and 
I don't know if you could speak to that about the uh, the way politicians sometimes become uh, a two dimensional object for people to mm-hmm. um, scream and shout. I think that's at. true, and I think in his life he experienced a lack of understanding by the public. They uh, they heard some bad things, so they assumed they were true. Uh, they heard that he was involved maybe some financial issues and assumed they were true. Um, they heard that he was involved in this uh, Bill Allen thing and, and assumed those issues were true. When in fact uh, they were not so important. I think at the time, so. Um, you know, Ted really wrote some beautiful speeches. And uh, at one time, um, you know, I, I, early on, I, I had the three speeches, you know, when he, when he spoke to uh, becoming Senate pro, President Pro Tem, a beautiful speech, uh, uh, and very long. Then when he, um, his last speech to the court, uh, you know, after he was found innocent, a very long speech. And then the third speech was when he, uh, when he, his last speech to the Senate. So three very beautiful speeches that I really encourage people to read them. I mean, they are wonderful. I had to cut them. I had to edit Ted Stevens because it would have been a long and boring, uh, you know, evening to hear, a, you know, an hour and a half of, of, of just a speech. But so we, uh, so I, I did pick and choose some of the things out of that. Um, yeah, he uh, he handled that vitriol well, I believe. Um, he, he uh, you know. Uh, well, you know, I mean, all he says at one point that even his patriotism was was questioned, and I think I see that in my in my experience. You know, uh, people misunderstand what you're doing; they're looking for you to make a mistake. Often, some people um, and others just say, well, "Yeah, we elected you, we trust you, and do your job." Well, I and I could be wrong here, but I assume that that you that your constituents, your personal constituents, for the most part, um, are grateful and thankful for where you stand. And what you're what you're representing, but there is a lot of vitriol from certain wings of the Republican sure. Party sure. in Alaska sure. regarding the uh, Senate coalition. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that you've experienced some. Vitriol. Oh, oh, absolutely! It, it was shocking, actually. I mean, I've always been a Republican. I always will be a Republican. I believe in those basic uh, ideas. But uh, this last election, the party endorsed my opponent, and uh, they invited me to come down to a Republican fundraiser before the session started, and uh, asked me to introduce uh, the four new senators. All of all of us had been opposed by the party. You know, wow. All of us had been so, and that's really a shock to hear that happen. I think the party, uh, not just my party, maybe all parties have, have gone to extremes, and they need to ratchet it back to the center. I, I'm a great fan of. Um, uh, President Reagan, I, I, I love his speeches. I, I, I appreciate his job as as, pre- as governor. When I was a student at UCLA, he was governor, and and his job as president. Um, he was a centrist, and he always said, um, "It's a big tent. You don't want to become so extreme that you you leave people out." So that's an issue we're facing nationally right now. I don't know where it's going. I, I just hope that we can get beyond that and, and get back to some basics that bring people together. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, in my life, I, when I was Senate president the last 10 years ago, for four years, I was Senate president, it was a coalition. Uh, we had uh, 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats, and the only way you're going to get to a majority is to bring in both parties. So so uh, that's what I've done, and I was uh, um, I was uh, berated by uh, far-right people because of that. And that's, you just, that's, that's the territory we live in. Well, yesterday... Um, we're recording this on Sunday, October 1st. Yesterday, we averted a federal government shutdown yes. because uh, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy um, got 209 Democratic votes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And um, I I don't know, because I guess I like to scratch at scabs. I went to, to a 
far-right blog in Alaska to see how they were covering it mm-hmm. and read the comments. And there were a lot of comments from folks saying that by him working with Democrats, he is now no longer trustworthy. We know that anyone who works with Democrats um, is, in effect, not a real Republican. And so I don't think that's a mainstream. I don't think that's what the average person... I think the average person... Uh, wants to see cooperation right. and wants to see yeah. their government move forward. But there is this oversized influence from some folks on both sides mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who do not want to see cooperation. It, and I don't know, do you see it as like a team sport thing that they, 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 they want to see their team win? Is it... Or, or, or what, yeah, why is it's, there? Uh, it's sort of shocking where we are, isn't it? And, you know, McCarthy uh, could lose his job. But I think uh, as a politician, as you are and I am, uh, you know, you, you do what you think is right. And if you lose your job, you lose your job. You know, there's worse things in the world. There are worse things in, in the world than losing an election. We started off by talking, and this is before we started recording, and we t- talked a little bit about your your political work at, at, at the local level. And how you wish that more folks in the legislature had that experience of school board, city council, borough assembly, mayor. Um, can you talk a little bit about the importance of being involved in local politics? Sure, absolutely. I, I've seen uh, folks come into the legislature with absolutely no background in local politics. And so they're really not really sure who they are working for. But once you're in local government, uh, particularly for me, the school board, uh, I, I realized that who my constituents were and who my supporters were and what was important to me. And uh, so education and fisheries have always been the key issues in, in, in all of my uh, service in the legislature. So I um, got involved in politics at the local level. I never held local elected office other than community council, as we have in Anchorage. Um, That's very big in Anchorage. It is very big in Anchorage. Um And one thing that I've observed at just one session in the House, because I still am very close with a lot of local officials, Mm -hmm. is how much um, local officials can bristle when they see op-eds, comments, social media posts by legislators in Juneau Mm -hmm. about issues at the local level that those legislators aren't involved in and aren't really participating in and yet want to appear involved in. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you, if, if, as somebody who was involved in local government, if you, if you know what those local officials are, are experiencing or feeling. No, I know what you're talking about. And uh, I have always tried to steer clear of local issues. A, a lot of things are, are not on our bailiwick in the legislature. You know, it, it has to happen at the local level. So, you know, I have a community of Seward that's going through a, a big argument about whether they should sell the electric uh, uh, um, generation plant, and uh, and it's about halfway. Uh, half people on one side, half people on the other side. It's not for me to tell them what to do. Not at all. They have to decide that. So I think uh, you know. I think Ted experienced that as well. And and just one story I'll share with you that was really important to me. I never found a place to put it in a play, but um, I was at uh, years ago at a big AFN conference here in town, and uh, in an auditorium, probably with a couple hundred people. And Ted was giving a speech on what he was doing, and and a native woman, elderly native woman, uh, could got up to speak, and and she was concerned about FAS and FAE in the villages, uh, fetal alcohol syndrome, and and what she said is. Uh, 
we have an enormous problem with fetal alcohol syndrome in my village, and you're a United States senator. What are you going to do about it? And Ted's response was, no, my dear, what are you going to do about it? Which really tell, told me at the time that there are some things I can't do. You know, and, and, As you know, there are a lot of things we simply cannot do as legislators. Uh, if anyone is going to stop your daughters from drinking alcohol when they're pregnant, it has to be the family, the village. Uh, you know, it, it can't be a U.S. senator, and right. it can't be a state legislator. Well, they tried it at the federal yeah. level, prohibition. Mm-hmm. I mean, we it have tried it. Yeah. It didn't work out. No. Um, you started the education committee. Right. Yeah, yes. So I was, uh, you know, going to involved in the Council of State Governments as a national organization, and uh, and, and also occasionally in NCSL, National Conference of Legislators. And um, I noticed that most states. I was always involved in education committees there. Uh, I noticed that most states had a separate education committee. <clears throat> At that time, ours was with. Uh, uh, with HESS, Health, mm-hmm. Education, Social Services. And I was on HESS, but we never had time to talk about education, you know. Uh, we were always dealing with uh, the bigger issues, the big, the, and actually the biggest, uh, um, uh, exp- most expensive part of government was dealing with health and social services. And so education sort of took a backseat. So I, I did uh, write the legislation to uh, create a House standing Senate House committee. Occasionally there was a House uh, Special Committee on Education that Senator Bundy, or Representative Bundy at the time, uh, chaired. But I thought it was important that we have a standing committee separate from everything else. And that has really been important and successful. And it deals with uh, not only K through 12, but also the University of Alaska. So education, to me, has always been crucial. And um, I think to most Alaskans, it, it, if we don't do anything right, uh, we've got to do education right, you know. And you taught history at the university level. I did. I taught uh, for um, actually 25 and a half years at the University of Alaska and um, was um, near retirement and uh, uh, ran for uh, the House, elected to the House, and then retired. So um, I wanted to make sure I was busy right. one way or the other. And uh, I love teaching at the university. I love my students. Uh, but honestly, I thought that um, I would miss it a lot more than I have. And I, and I haven't because... This is education as well. Right. You know? I mean, you're you're dealing with other legislators trying to help them to understand your what you're working with. You, they trying to under, make you understand what they are working on. And I, I had actually a former Senate president said to call the uh, the Senate uh, the legislator the, the learning factory. Yeah, I, I really like that. It is a learning factory. Did you have a particular area of history that you focused on? As a student, as a well, teacher. Well, honestly, uh, mostly American history and uh, uh, history of the West. But then uh, towards the end of my career as a professor, I was mostly teaching uh, Alaska history, which was really interesting because, uh, you know, I love it. I love the Russian-American period and and, uh, and really enjoyed uh, studying. Yeah, I, I didn't take Alaska history anywhere. <laughs> I went to the University of Oregon. They didn't offer it. but So I had to become uh, up to speed on it. And um, and and you know, and then one thing I, I should mention is that um, in doing the research on this uh, play, um, honestly, I, I did not know Ted's full involvement in statehood. Uh, you know, he was a key person, and I knew he was involved, but I didn't know he wrote uh, so much of the legislation uh, that uh, he uh, satisfied uh, uh, President Eisenhower uh, on the pick line. And uh, so I think there's a lot to learn there. So even I, who was teaching uh, history of Alaska, didn't really fully understand the impact he had, because that was before I was involved in politics. Well, I think it is pointed out in the play that at the time, Alaska was seen as a democratic state. Right, and right. Hawaii was a Republican state. Exactly. And so with a Republican president, 
I think having Republicans involved and being uh, crucially involved would be important for getting the Republican president to sign this democratic state, uh, democratic territory into statehood. Exactly. Now, isn't that odd that uh, that Hawaii was Republican, Alaska was Democratic, sort of, and, and now we've switched in right. entirely. And it was towards the end then that, uh, because uh, Hawaii had a lot more complex issues, we were a little simpler, and so we became a state and we sort of pulled Hawaii on. And the key thing for Eisenhower was not to lose the one-person majority he had in the Senate. Mm -hmm. So by bringing both Hawaii and Alaska in, he kept that. Um, Another issue issue that uh, that Ted does explain during the play is uh, the fact that uh, Alaska, with under half a million people, had two U.S. senators, where, where, say, California, with 20 million, still had two U.S. Mm-hmm. senators. So he thought it'd be easier to become a senator in, Hawaii, in Alaska than, than anywhere else, but it wasn't But have case. the same power. The same power, yes, right. exactly. Did you find that in his writings, in a journal? How did you find that? You know, um, he mentioned it uh, briefly, uh, you know, when he decided to, uh, when he decided he wanted to be in the U.S. Senate. You know, I mean, he decided that before his last move back to Alaska when he uh, he opened a law office here in Anchorage and convinced his wife to come back. And uh, he knew at that time that he was eventually going to run for U.S. Senate. Well, the, I, I mean, that's, a, I think, a very memorable moment for me in the play because it seems premeditated. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move to this very small state because I have a chance of becoming a senator and having this power. And of course, that's what he did. Uh, there were accidents of luck along the way right. getting appointed. Well, I think I think that was a part of, in his mind at least, and there are other Alaska politics that have had that same theory. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Not um, all have been successful in the end, but he was. As a history professor, as someone who's focused on American history, do you have any thoughts about certain states that are changing their history curriculum? Um, I guess Florida comes to mind. Um, to take out anything that they, I mean, and this is me grossly generalizing, uh, things that would make students uncomfortable or students unhappy. Yeah, I'm very concerned about that. I'm very concerned about uh, book banning, you know. Uh, you know, I think uh, kids kids are going to choose the books they want to choose, and if you don't have it in the library, they're going to find it elsewhere. You know, I, I just, I, it just really sort of causes me heartache when I hear that certain books are being banned. Actually, as a student at the University of Oregon, working in my master's and my doctorate there, every year the um, university bookstore would have a display of all the books banned in Oregon. And and there were some beautiful books. I mean, Catcher in the Rye, you know. Well, yeah, I think it, it helps the sales. Yeah, it probably Banning the book does right, help the sales. Right, right, So I'm concerned. Uh, you know, the issue of... Uh, well, there's so many issues out there that we're dealing with uh, when you look at Florida and the things they're going through. Uh, you know, um, I think there's a rational, a more rational approach in Alaska. You know, a Senate that now has a majority uh, made up of Democrats and Republicans, you're not going to see anything nutty happen here, I don't believe. Sort of getting towards the end of our time, um, you mentioned in the show notes that you had considered writing a biography of Ted Stevens, Right. that you feel that that biography really needs to be written. You made the choice to do a play. 
Do you have any thoughts of going back and doing the biography? Uh, no, not I don't. Actually, uh, last night uh, uh, Steve Hancock was at was at the production, and uh, and I made a point in the, in the notes as we were talking about after the play that uh, maybe Steve should write that. I, mean, I was at an event this morning, and he was sitting next yeah, to me. Yeah, he's he's a great writer and has done some great things. I mean, his histories are just just quite wonderful. And, and uh, I just as I was researching it, it just very, came very clear to me that this was such a dramatic life, not like my life, not like your life. I suspect. Right. But the fact that you know so much happened, and the plane crashes, and the, his experience in the military, and uh, he just led a very exciting life. And I just thought it it fit theater more than it it did for me to spend a lot of time working on a biography. And honestly, you know, I'm thinking about uh, other plays I'd like to do, maybe that um, rather than than historical research, but uh, they deal with history, but uh, but they really belong to theater, I think. And in summary, looking at you, um, Gary Stevens, who was city school board, city council, mayor of Kodiak, later of borough mayor, um, House of Representatives, senator, president of the Senate, twice. It's a lot. Oh, three times now. Three times. Sorry. <laughs> three times president of the Senate. Um, excuse me. <laughs> um you know, it's not, it, there's, it's definitely different than Ted Stevens, but you have dedicated your life to public service. You've been a politician for uh, 50 years. Um, can you talk a little bit about what drew you to politics in the first place and what it's meant to you? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, Andrew, so I, uh, I think my first exposure growing up in Oregon, uh, the uh, high school YMCA uh, always did an annual um, um, Mock legislature, and we uh, certain students were selected and went from every high school and went to Salem and and ran a mock legislature. I was the, uh, I think I was the deputy uh, speaker of the house. You know, so it was a great experience to just to, to be in the capital in Oregon and see what it's all about. And I, I frankly, I always knew from that point on I, I would probably wind up being in a legislature. Um, yeah, I think for me, uh, it's it's being uh, true to yourself, being honest, uh, not promising something you can't deliver, and uh, just doing your best and being honest about it. How do you encourage folks who are reluctant to run for office? Well, it, it is difficult. You know, uh, you you are putting yourself out there, and people take uh, pot shots at you, and and more than that, I mean, people say terrible things. I mean, I had a guy once call my office and said, uh, "I know where you live, and I'm going to hunt you down like the dog that you are." Well, this is the guy that, that didn't have the nerve to leave his his house, probably. But you know, so you put up with that, uh, and then you see occasionally there are uh, events in our history, uh, um, the United States, where someone is is killed or are shot at or, you know, pays the price. Um, yeah, you have to be brave in this job. Uh, you hope that nothing terrible will happen for your family. But on the other hand, you do put yourself out there. And so, I, I, you know, it's it's very rewarding. It truly is. Um, you know, I, we're always talking about people being happy in their life. Um, and, and that's a good thing to be happy. But I think even more important is to be fulfilled, to feel as if you're doing something that you, you are leaving a mark. You are, maybe not as heroically as Ted Stevens, but you are making a difference in other people's lives by what you do. Did you discover any interesting books while researching the play that 
you could recommend? Yeah, there's a, a good book by uh, Whitehead, uh, uh, really a former professor, uh, retired uh, at the University of Alaska, Fair, Fairbanks. And he, I can't think of the title of the book, but he wrote uh, about the, the Hawaii, uh, Alaska coming in and, and, and really exposed that whole issue to me that I, as I said, I was not aware of very much, really. And since we, the name of our podcast is the East Anchorage Book Club Podcast, do you have any books in general? I mean, as a professor of history, any books that you want folks to read? Well, that's a good question. Of course, uh, a team of rivals would come right to the top there about Lincoln's choice of appointing folks who opposed him. And I think that's important to bring in people that you uh, may not necessarily agree with. I have a, a majority caucus now in the Senate that uh, we, we don't agree on everything, certainly not. Uh, but we moderate each other. And uh, I, you know, I, I suppose like uh, Senator Wilikowski, we, we and I, would, a lot of things we don't agree on, but we can work together and we can make sure that uh, we have a successful year. Well, Mr. President, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. The two books recommended by our guest, Gary Stevens, are Completing the Union, Alaska, Hawaii, and the Battle for Statehood by John Whitehead and Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin. Gary Stevens' play is showing at Cyrano's through October 22nd. There is a link to buy tickets in the show notes. And thank you to you, our listeners. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us. To contact me, email 